Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin McManus. It is so good to be with you. It is so good to be with you. Do I have to call you by your full name, Erwin Raphael McManus? I think it's just uh, fine if you call me dad. Okay. Well, In fact, I... everyone listening, just call oh, me dad. that's so fine. sweet. <laughs> okay, so we're here with our Battle Ready mugs, which is kind of nice. Oh, I love it. People have been asking if we we're going to sell these. I didn't even know we were making these, so I don't know if we could sell them. They're in a box in our studio. Tess, can we make them? We have a guest, special guest. She's <laughs> off camera, but she's right, like right there in that space. She's one of our best friends. Her name's Tess Roy. She doesn't listen to our podcast, so today we're trying to convert <laughs> her and win her over to our team. So we're making her sit in. Yes, this we're is all, punishment. This is punishment. Yeah. This is no. This is just. This is like a blessing in her life. She has to listen and love it. Um, <laughs> what are we going to do? Did talk? you make the mug? <laughs> Why I'm holding the mug still? I did not make the mug. You did not Who make made the, the mugs? <laughs> Nicole. Nicole made the mugs. She has that power. Oh, shout out to Nicole Lewis. Thank you so much for making the shout mugs. Shout out we to Nicole. Them. Yeah. They're taking a sip. That's why the silence. <laughs> <laughs> In unison. Hey, I, I love your to, t-shirt. I do. I love it too. Um, it's nice. I just got the first sample back. It's it's really cool. I love that. Sorry, nothing wasted t-shirt. Nothing, it's so nice. It's um, so good. It's so I thought I was gonna. I, I thought I was. I thought I'd wear it today and on the plane when I when I leave LA today. Awesome, because you're headed to... I'm heading to an undisclosed location. In Nueva York. Nueva <laughs> York. I said, that, I said that in another language that so no one would know. I'm heading to New York <laughs> and to, to work on a bit of what we're doing and to also probably do some mosaic stuff because there's always mosaic stuff to be done. There's always Erwin Raphael McManus stuff to be done, so I'm really excited. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Do we want to talk about the, the fun one that's kind of sad or the intense one? That's going to be fun, too. Well, let's see. Today's December 14th. Today is December 14th. And we only have 11 days until Christmas. Until uh, qu- Christmas? Christmas. Christmas. Christmas? <laughs> 11 days until Christmas. 11 days until Christmas. <laughs> That's a week plus four. So why don't we pick up the topic that was suggested by Brooke Odom? Oh, Figueroa. Oh, Brooke Odom Figueroa. Because um, evidently, there are a lot of people who are struggling with... Um, Family issues. Family issues. Family issues. So but, I thought that'd be really fun to talk about and but, maybe but it, give people a little something to uh, get as handles as they relate to their family. Yes. And it's not, if you're listening and you know Brooke Odom Figueroa, it's not her and her husband. I'm sure her and her husband are great. I was talking to Andy last night on dress. He's such a legend. He's amazing. He's part of MSC. Oh, we're not, we can't really Actually, name you by a, name. They're like, both a case, part of MSC. They, well, yes, but she right now is a part of this. Yes. <laughs> So she was just saying a great conversation, not that she's having this problem. Yeah, this is but, not about her personal but situation. But she has a friend who a has, friend. has a need, and she's saying her friend... Don't uh, you love when people ask questions for a friend? I, and you know, and I appreciate the fact that she's so caring that this, she should would this, ask a question for a friend. Should this episode <laughs> be called Asking for a Friend? There we go. There How we to go. Survive Christmas? Asking for a friend. All right, so um, she said it would be great for us to talk about how to relate with the complexities of family during Christmas. And I said, you mean because there are some children who don't want to go home because of COVID, and then there's some parents who don't want you to come home because of COVID. And she said, yes, both. Yes. But what about the kids who don't want the parents to come because of COVID? <laughs> that's that that the, the kids don't want the parents to come because of COVID or or don't right, want wait. like no because well I, it, well I well, was no, jo- no, I was joking as yeah. like a you know trying to avoid your parents yeah but, but I actually there is that is a real thing but let's remove the veil just for a moment okay did you really want them to come 
before COVID existed. We can't look at Brooke too much, or they're going <laughs> to think it's actually Brooke talking about Brooke. No, not we Brooke also have Tess right here. Now I know this doesn't relate to her in any way whatsoever. It does relate to you a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? And I just think it's probably true mm. for everyone to some degree. First of all, being with family during the holidays is, is not easy even no. when there's no pandemic. It's so tough. And should we start with our own family or should we just keep us out of it? Well, we could talk about my family since they don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, what do you mean my family? Your side of the family or our family, the one that I'm a part of? Well, you're a part of two sides. You have a mother and a father. So. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, I, yeah. yes. No, but I was talking about like your family on the East Coast. Yeah, well, we won't go into specifics or anything like that. No, no, We'll no. just talk about Brooke and Tess. Right. And their families. <laughs> and their friends' families. And their friends' families, yeah, and the people yeah. that they're concerned about. Because I think, first of all, going back home, even when you have ideal circumstances, is challenging for most people. Maybe not for everyone. You may be listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, what are they talking about? I have the perfect family. When I go home, it's nothing but bliss. I just I just love it. I just want to... Could I, you adopt <laughs> us, all of us <laughs> and, uh, and all of our friends? But I would love to get some comments on the Battle Ready podcast from everyone who loves going home during the holidays because you have a perfect relationship with not just your in-laws, but your laws. <laughs> yeah, this is a family episode, so maybe tag your family in the in the post that we're about to post about this podcast. Because if you have a family that when you go home, they just affirm you and love you, and they tell you how awesome you are, and you feel better when you leave than when, before you got there, you need to give a shout out to your family, because I want you to know you are rare. Yeah. And, um, and then you need to tag that location and let us come over and hang out. Because... <laughs> so... Use the comment section on this next Ballerie yeah. podcast to give a shout out to your awesome family. The rest of us will um, will celebrate you and and we'll listen to this podcast four or five times mm. to try to deal with nuances. First of all, I just want to kind of like pull back a little bit and say, well, can I just establish no. one thing? Sure. I've already I've already gotten ahead of the curve. <laughs> I sent my mom flowers this last week. You did. That was very sweet. I decided to start the month off right. <laughs> I knew I had to leave for New York, and mom does not like anyone traveling during Christmas unless except it's herself. Unless herself. Yeah. Unless except it's unless it's her. Is she leaving? Is she traveling no, this month? No, but no, she, no. But she went to Malawi, I think, last year or something. Yeah, yeah. Just left us all. It's fine. Um, she was saving the world. But I decided to send flowers <laughs> to really get ahead of all of this. And not like not in a mm-hmm. bad way. I just want to be a good son, but also a good son and protect myself. <laughs> because if I start, if I give the first gift, then it does not matter what anyone has done. I've already started the generosity season and I can no longer lose. Which is kind of ironic because you <laughs> basically never asked for anything during Christmas. No, I, and no, and I can never, rem- I, I, oh, there's things I want. I just, well, I used to be, I didn't want anything. Now there's things I want. I just can't ever remember them until after Christmas. Then I'm like, these are the things I want. Can you get these for me? But let's get back to this family dynamic. Okay, back to the family okay. dynamic. Because Love you, Mom. if you're over, let's say, 25 mm-hmm. and you go back home, yeah, you're probably not the same person you were at 15 no. or the same person you were at, at 11. Or at 24. And Or yeah, even maybe at 24. There was like a break point when you became an adult. You started growing up. You figured out you had to pay your bills. Uh, that the IRS, IRS is actually a real thing, that you have to file your taxes, that um, you take responsibility for your life, and you're changing, you're growing, you're becoming someone else. And so when you go back home, one of the things you, you, you want to conquer is 
the perspective of your family. You want them to see the new you. You ever feel that way, Brooke, where you go, I, I want them to see how much I've changed, how much I've grown, how different I am. And then you go back and you are different for about five minutes. And, and they know all the right buttons to push. And the reason they know the buttons is they created those buttons. Yes, they have the <laughs> nuclear launch codes. <laughs> they have the code to the worst side of your soul, to the dark side of your soul. And they start hitting those buttons. And at first, you're determined to not respond to those buttons because you're bigger than that now. You're different. You've changed. That's who you used to be. That's not going to bother you. But they just, and, but they tag team you. And it's, it's not just the parents, it's a sibling. No. Or, no, because to launch nuclear weapons, you need four different keys. <laughs> you need all the keys. And, and eventually, the keys all go into their proper slot <laughs> and they unlock, and you revert to your 11 year old you. And that one moment where you lost all the progress is all they remember, all they talk about, all they see. And so you leave feeling as if you've made no progress at all. Now, I don't know if, if you, this, this narrative relates to you, but I can tell you it definitely relates to me and the way I, I, I live my life and grew up. And, and so I, I always had to decide, well, one, I had to realize that... Well, let, let me ask the question. Sure, 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 sure. How do we avoid... A Christmas relapse. It's like an alcoholic. Now you're going serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you go back into the bar, all the convictions you have are now being pressed against an environment that you may not be prepared to handle. Right. And a lot of times going back to your family... Um, is going back into an environment that you're not prepared to yes, handle Yes, because yet. dysfunction is rarely personal. It's usually interpersonal. Wow. And one of the things that you have to realize, and and I, I even see this in like notes. what I said, I'm going to take notes. Keep no, on. because if I could just pull this back from a psychological to like a spiritual level, yeah. And I saw some of you may be listening that you don't have a a, a spiritual perspective of the universe, but I, I'm going to just put this into a a perspective that I think we should pay attention to. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you're great until you're around this particular relationship? Yes. And then something really heavy, something dark, something oppressive happens to you. I, I've become convinced over a lifetime that, you know, whenever you think of like this thing of spiritual like oppression, which you don't usually hear me use the language of, of spiritual that. warfare. And but I am convinced that there's almost like a a a spirituality in the dynamic of interpersonal relationships where um you have to break a a um uh, the best word I can think of is a stronghold in a relationship. And and so you have to look at and go, okay, there's a psychological dynamic here where the way this person relates to you, the way you relate to them is unhealthy and it's dysfunctional and it maybe even be um, destructive. But I am convinced that those relationships become almost an entry place for what could be understood as a demonic uh, engagement. And, and I think you have to take this seriously because those relationships can actually open up your soul to something really dark and destructive. And the reason I bring this up is because you're not going to change this just by choosing a new pattern of action and reaction. That sometimes what this really takes is, is an awareness that there's something spiritual actually happening wow. in between two people. Wow. And um, 
it, it, and and that you have to address this from like the invisible realm as well, where you have to like realize, oh, this reaction is more than just two people not getting along. There's something genuinely spiritual that's being catalyzed here. And so it's, I can't remove uh, a dark energy, if I could use that, for with a neutral engagement. It has to become a, a relationship engaged through prayer and through the presence of Jesus in your life with that person. And and so there's a, there's a thing where if you have bitterness towards someone, the moment you see that, it opens up that negative side of who you are. And uh, and you don't even realize you're still there, but now all this anger is coming out and all this resentment is coming out and all, and all this darkness inside of you that you didn't know was there. And it's because that part of your soul, there's almost like, yeah, like a, a code that opens you up and unlocks you when you're in the relationship with that person. And, and so one of the things I've had to f- realize in my own life is as long as I'm holding on to things from the past, I am still vulnerable to be my worst self in the present. So if you want to be a different self in the present, you have to let go of the things in the past. But how do we help people let go of the things they're holding on to about us? Because I know from, from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. one thing that's been really tough for me and Mariah has been there's things that she's held on to that I've done. It's not wrong of her to hold on to them. It's, it's because I, I do truly believe there's, there's a, you, it, it isn't just this ultimate forgiveness. The only yeah. one who really forgives like that is Jesus. And, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, humans, it's different. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't ever hold that against her, but I do know that there's a way, that there's a way I got, there's a way back I have to kind of fight through right. and, and navigate through. But how do you help those people? And she's given me a lot of forgiveness. There was a lot of damage. And so it's like, you know, you have mm-hmm. to figure that out over a sure. lifetime. Now at least we're open about it and, yeah. and helping each other figure it out. But how do you help that person let let it go? Because I know that there's moments yeah. where you're like, I feel like I'm being wrongly accused or like, if Jesus forgive me, why can't you? Yeah. And I'm really easy on that one. I'm like, well, I'm not Jesus. So like, you know, <laughs> come at me. Yeah. But you probably want forgiveness faster than you're willing to give it. Yes. Because that's also my personality. I'm like, <laughs> I've changed now. <laughs> I'm like, no, you haven't. You just changed for five minutes. Okay. There's three things involved in yes. this dynamic. Okay. Forgiveness. Okay. Healing. Yes. Trust. So how do you get them to forgive you even if they, if they don't want to? No. Well, you can't get a person to forgive you. You can... Um, Just you ask can, for forgiveness? You can. Well, more important than asking forgiveness is to change. Right. Because you can ask for forgiveness, and at least the person knows you've postured yourself with humility. But what they really need to see is they need to see you change. Okay. And, and so let, let's say a person does forgive you. What we usually want is we want forgiveness to bring with it healing and trust. But even if you fully forgive someone, it doesn't mean you're healed from what happened. It doesn't mean you trust them for for what happened. And those things take time. And so if you've been really wounded by someone in the past, and you may generally forgive them, but you still are wounded, you still have the pain that, that they brought into your life. And so even though you've forgiven them, the wound is still open. And a lot of times a person wants you to act like you're fine now just because you forgave them. But you don't. But they don't realize that the wounding is still the wound's still open, and you're still in pain. So you do forgive them, but you're not ready for for um, to give them access again, because the wound is yeah, still for, pretty. Deep. Forgiveness doesn't equal access, right? But I also do feel like there's a lot of eye for an eye forgiveness. <laughs> like 
I'll forgive you for this <laughs> yeah. if you forgive me for that. Yeah. And it's not said, it's unsaid, but I do feel like there's a lot of that in right. family systems because what ends up happening is it, it, the the wrongs are just piled up. Yeah. And then well, they're interwoven and it's like a it's like an it's like those old iPhone headphones where you like <laughs> So it's like, it looks like someone just went like this for 25 minutes and there's like knots and there's all the things and it's like you spend three hours trying to get them undone. Mm-hmm. But it feels like decades for families. Yeah. Well, again, let me just finish this thought and then I'm going to hit that because I think what you said no, is no, really important. No, no, hit okay. that real okay, quick. Okay, I'll hit you first. the thought because thought's uh, been... Thought's here's been the thought. reality is that a person who doesn't forgive easily... Yes. ...rarely thinks they need forgiveness. In fact, I would say a person who doesn't forgive easily doesn't ever think they need forgiveness. I would go even to an extreme statement. So here's the crazy thing about it. Interesting. When you're waiting for someone to ask for forgiveness, the person who demands forgiveness rarely thinks that they are wrong and need to ask for forgiveness. Mm. And so there's this interesting juxtaposition where a person who feels that they've messed up a lot, they ask for forgiveness easily and they give forgiveness easily because they know they need a high amount of forgiveness. There's an eternal narrative that when you really don't think you're wrong, it's very hard to ask for forgiveness. And and because of that, it's very hard to forgive. So it goes both ways. If you're a person listening and you rarely ask for forgiveness, you almost never forgive. And because those things are connected together. And and if you don't forgive easily, I guarantee you, you don't see all the times you actually need forgiveness. And so for the person who does not ask for forgiveness often or, or apologize often, yeah. ask someone you really trust, do yeah. I ever say I'm sorry? Yeah. And then you're going to be the, so offended when they tell you no. <laughs> and then you're going to need to say sorry for being so offended. Right. And if you feel offense instantly when a person says you never ask for forgiveness, you know there's something inherently wrong with your posture. Like I have a low impulse control. So I make a lot of mistakes, but I ask for forgiveness all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I say I'm sorry like a like a like a like an <laughs> addict. And then but it's hard to forgive that because it's like my goodness, I have forgiven you one th- the 70 times 7 thing like <laughs> we've maxed that out a few times. <laughs> But it's but it, that's got to be exhausting too, right? There's the person that I always ask for forgiveness and it's like Goodness, at some point, get it together, my guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I just, last week I sent a message, I don't need an apology, I need change. Was it, that wasn't to me, right? I didn't get <laughs> no, that one. No, that wasn't okay, to you. <laughs> Thank God that wasn't to me. <laughs> no, it was someone I care about deeply, but I was just tired of apologies, I need to see change. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Kevin... <laughs> That wasn't Kevin. Aaron, quit fishing. Quit fishing. No, Kevin. Fishing. No, Kevin. Oh, I tell this to Kevin all the time. He like end to Matt, and like they always lead with, "I'm sorry." And I'm like, "My goodness, do I make you that afraid?" I'm like, "Don't." Yes, say- you do. <laughs> don't lead I'm with like, fear. Don't. I. The issue is, and then we could get into this. The issue mm-hmm. was, we should. Should we get into heliotropic leadership? Uh, no, let's stay on this for right now. Oh, okay. Okay. The, yeah. But the issue to just no. wrap that thing up was yeah, that I led no. with fear, and now I'm trying to lead with different, but then they won't forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> and Okay, so you're back to forgiveness, healing, trust. You want trust the moment you ask for forgiveness, and forgiveness should be instantaneous. That's the command of Jesus. Healing takes time, and that depends on the person's personal resilience. There is no uh, exact timetable for healing. 
I heal very, very fast from wounds, almost instantaneously. Um, other people take longer, years to heal from a wounding. And trust is something that has to be re-earned. Forgiveness should be given freely. Trust should be earned back. Mm. And there's some people who you do forgive, but you never trust again. And that, my friends, is an, an appropriate posture. Don't let anyone tell you that you have to forgive, meaning you have to trust. You can forgive and never trust that person again because they have not earned that trust. Because you know that even though you forgave them, they have not changed. The end. <laughs> no. Now, <laughs> all right. So now let's deal with family. Okay. okay. Let's deal with family. So we dealt with the liars. Yeah, but he, now I need to flip this back around. Because I don't know, kidding. I would never kidding. say this would be true of Brooke. <laughs> yes. And uh, or or your husband Eric or anyone like this. All right. Um, but sometimes we're the button pushers. Mm. We're. <laughs> we are the nuclear launch code. Yeah, yeah. And we, we we go we look at our family and go, they push all the wrong buttons or all the right ones, but you don't realize you're pushing buttons too. <laughs> you are pushing buttons back. You may actually have pushed the first button. <laughs> and, uh, but you but she's you, laughing. <laughs> she knows. She knows. She's in the room. She but, knows. But you think you're so clever that no one will notice that you push the button first. And then when you get called out for pushing the button, now you're mad because you're being judged for being who you used to be. And so what I'd say is step number one is make sure you're not the one pushing the buttons. I have no one to push the buttons with. <laughs> Mom loves me. <laughs> oh, you push your mom's buttons all the time. All the time. All the and time. I'm like, why are you doing this? You know that if you uh, do this, she's going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and she's going to do this. Me and mom have like an aggressive love language. <laughs> well, you've gotten there, but it used we, to be like, self-destructive. We're, we're both. It's very interesting, though, yeah. because it, it was. It was. Yeah. We like we fight very. We, we like. No, we communicate very aggressively. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, you'll get up and leave, and then we'll both be like, he's soft. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we talk. And she'll sit down, and we'll sit down, and we'll like, argue, argue, argue. And at the end, we'll be like, okay, let's make cookies. No, I walk out that. because you guys like suck the oxygen out of the air. I just can't take that level of tension and conflict. It's so intense. It gets so, and it's so conflicted. But there's this great quote, and I, you know, I've been lately just like looking at a lot of quotes from Marcus Aurelius. I love him. And, yeah. and there's some others. I'm looking back at some old quotes from, from Socrates, but really not Socrates, it's Plato. And, and uh, I mean, it was Socrates, but Plato wrote him down and some from Aristotle. And and in the in the such a subtle difference, but it's such an interesting yeah. Thing. And in yeah. the mix of the quotes, and I, I, Brooke, maybe you can look this one up. But it says that um, that no one can, no man can offend you if you choose not to be offended. And it's such a, a great quote because that, first of all, that's the posture in my life that has changed my life. Hmm. That I just I walk through life choosing not to be offended. Mm. In fact, sometimes I joke about it because I know someone's like really saying something very, very insulting to me. And I'll just say, you know, I don't understand that, so I'm going to take it as a compliment. And, <laughs> and, uh, and because most people insult through subtext rather than text. And, and you know, and in fact, someone like sent a critique, you know, on, on Instagram. Oh, and Which minute of which Yeah, day? yeah, yeah. And, and they were really condescending and attacking me. And then someone said, hey, you know, 
I don't know why you're being so critical or criticizing. And then he said, I'm not criticizing. I'm just asking a question. Now, I didn't delete it, and I just watched it run. And then the only place I jumped in is said, hey, you're allowed to have your opinion, but then don't pretend you're not criticizing when you get called out. You know, because most of us um, are intelligent enough to use a subtext of critique. We know how to push the buttons without ever, no one ever seeing our hand hit the button. It's sleight of hand. So the first thing you do with your family is be unoffendable. Just work from the assumption that someone in your family is going to offend you uh, because there's an inherent destructive pattern that both of you have allowed to be entrenched in the relationship and that they don't even realize consciously they're doing it. They're doing it completely subconsciously. And you are also doing it subconsciously. And so I think step one is your posture. I will be unoffendable. Even when they do something that I'm offended by, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more adaptive to that and not be offended by it. Secondly, I'm going to become aware of my subtext to make sure that I'm not pushing the buttons in other people's lives and, and, uh, and that bring out the worst in them. And then I would say the third thing is be super proactive. I'm going to push all the buttons to bring the best out of other people. Encourage. Yeah. Compliment. So rather than not pushing the buttons to bring out the worst, and rather than being aware of the buttons that you want to push, actually find all the buttons that make the person better and push those buttons. Super smart. Here's some practical things you can do. Walks. Go on a walk. <laughs> Run. Take that <laughs> fake phone call that no one's calling you. Pick that up. Talk to your inner self. And go on a walk or find a friend to be like, you got to call me on the hour, every hour for the for, for three or four hours of this day. But it's use the buddy system. I know that there's times where you just have to go outside and, 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 and get some fresh air and take a break. Because it's the other thing. It's we don't, you know, you don't live with our families and then you're forced to spend 48 solid hours with them from sunrise to sunset and think that that's healthy. And that's not healthy. You know what I mean? And then, in, and then in a quarantine era <laughs> where, like, there's not a lot to do or to break it up, you've got to really find ways to, to, take, to take healthy breaks. Someone said this to me one time, uh, a guy named Joel who was a mentor and is awesome. He said, um, he said I asked him, like, how do, you for, how, do you, how do you work with this one person? I was having a hard time working with someone. And it was, like, a great person. We're friends now. And he said, you know, when you know someone's weaknesses, it makes it that much easier to give them grace. And so he's like, when I go into a situation, I just know that it's going to be, this guy's going to do funny things and it's going to bug me, but I get ahead of it with my own, like I forgiving him before he's offending me. Mm -hmm. I'm forgiving him in his weakness before he's actually able to like annoy me or frustrate me. Mm -hmm. And, and that's helped me so much when I'm able to go in going like, okay, I know that they are going to bring up that I'm single. I know <laughs> they're going to bring up, oh, I wish I had grandkids. I know they're going to bring up, why don't you ever bring anyone to the holidays? And they're going to bring up the girl they think you should marry. And I know <laughs> there's going to be some candidates. And I know I'm going to want to run away. <laughs> but I've just got to like, like, like I've got to like learn my, you know, it's like a dance. You just got to learn how to move with the relationship and the conversation and get out. But I, I want to take this beyond your family because you just. Your family. It's our family. No, no. You did this. No, outside of family because you just said something I think is important for life. Okay. Um, 
tell me what I did right. <laughs> the more you become undefendable, yes. A, the more powerful you become, mm -hmm. and the more dynamic your relationships become. And what I mean by that is, uh, like eight years ago, when you would when you were working, really you were my janitor, but you still were my son, <laughs> and you had input. Whenever you were offended by someone, it made it harder for me to work with them. Yeah, I burned a lot of bridges. And and what I've learned how to do is, like, when I'm working with someone who has no empathy, I don't expect empathy. When yeah. I'm working with someone who's like almost like they have like a, a, a like Tourette's or Aspergers, yeah. I, I don't let that. And they say really offensive things every time yeah. they open their yeah. mouth. I don't let that offend me. Yeah, I work with the core talent in that person, and yeah, I go. Yeah. Uh, when this person is at their best, they make a great contribution. And the more you're able to work with a wide variety of people without being offended by their weirdness or their bizarreness or their lack of sensitivity, the, the more successful you will be in life. But I'm like all the crazy things you listed into one. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. But you know what, though? Like, I yeah. think now, well, this was the thing. The difference between 10 years ago and now is that I had I was so young. Yeah, of course. You, 21 yeah, yeah. years old. Like learning yeah. how to work with people who were older and also very different because mm -hmm. we were working with tons of artists. Yeah. And then business people. Then I I've never really gotten along with people my own age as well or like able to relate to people sure. my own age because I grew up with you and all your friends mm -hmm. I think and Mariah and all her friends. And and I I think the thing that's different 10 years ago or now is 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 that is that there's a little bit there's one there's just jesus in my life <laughs> i think there's 10 years of running through the of thank like you jesus <laughs> jesus just washing away all of the bad stuff and like i also i don't fight every battle right. like i you kind of gave me a great metaphor of like we, we've gotten into baseball in the world series and you're like do you realize they don't swing at everything <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah oh oh Oh, <laughs> just don't swing at everything. And, and like, and I think because we're working with someone now that I told you was like, I had a weird conversation with them. I don't know if I can work with them very well. And then, and then they were over at Thanksgiving and like, they're kind of a crazy artist too. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a part where I've just got to like, let things just go under the bridge. And we didn't, we both offended each other and we both have never talked about it and yeah. we're good now and yeah. there's no issues. And now I'm going to work with them and they're super talented and I get to learn. Which right. is super and I want to, cool. I want to give you a breakthrough. What? Um, Say something nice about me. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not kidding. You, you are that crazy, crazy artist. artist. I know I am. And, and, if, if people can't see through the crazy to yeah. the genius, yeah. it's their loss. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And There's and, not a lot of people in the art gallery inside my genius right now. And I remember <laughs> when I first met Tess, I call Tessie, Aww. I think she had purple hair. Tess had purple she, hair. And she looked like a Smurf. <laughs> she did. She did. <laughs> and she and I remember I saying, Dad, I got a girl. Aww. She's the most extraordinary human being. You've got to take her on. Yes. And uh, on the team. And and she was crazy and out crazy. there and artistic. And she stressed me out. And um and maybe like maybe that like um empathy probably wasn't like your first wasn't in the top 10, you know, <laughs> top 20, <laughs> whatever the, the total number is, right? You know? Yeah, for sure. And bottom uh, five, let's go from there. And, 
and you have to see the genius past the quirkiness. And, For sure. And then we got Brooke over there. And um, probably, like, Brooke <laughs> is one of the people I trust with things that I trust no one else with. Yes. And uh, I, I love the brilliance of her mind. I, she's an incredible writer. Um, words really are her art form. And... Uh, but between like me, you, and Mariah, we all at times just wanted to like throw her off the planet. <laughs> and, uh, and, and who, Brooke? I, oh yeah, she's I, still here. I cannot tell you how many times Brooke lost her job without even knowing it. Oh my and, god! Uh, and, uh, and we'd have a five-minute conversation, and we'd go. Uh, but <laughs> and, uh, but she's the most intelligent person in the room sometimes, and you can't get rid of that person. You if we can just person. help her to to not always also believe that she's the most intelligent person. Yeah, don't room. tell her though. <laughs> don't tell her. Don't tell her. And the growth and um, the maturity in her life, like to me, it was all worth that whole. She was one of the worst assistants I think Mariah's ever had. And I would read the text. She was trying to be where, Mariah's boss where, while she's the assistant. Where Mariah would send Brooke a text saying, please go get me this. And then Brooke would respond back, ah, no, nah, I'm busy right now. Or <laughs> oh, you get it yourself. <laughs> yes, I read them. <laughs> and, uh, okay, I don't want to get to me. I would like to go back the other way. <laughs> no, but I think the thing is that a lot of people miss out on the genius of the people all around them. Because all they see are the things that are the, the, the jagged edges of them and that, that make them uncomfortable. And people will come up to me and go, how did you find these people? And I'm going, you have the same people. You just don't see the diamond in the rough. Yeah, I also think that people yeah. will end up, I do, as far as the, in an organizational like genius, yeah. I think people end up firing people because they're different versus yeah. actually seeing that and going, you're like the crazy person, boss, in this way. <laughs> you're like, yeah, they're horrible at that job. Let's promote them. And see what they do at the next level. And it's crazy because what you look for is very different. You look yeah. for loyalty. You look for teachability. You you learn. You look for some different like attributes in leadership. Like you know, your husband Tess Roy was a terrible volunteer. The one of the worst, if not, he was so he was so terrible. We couldn't put him on a team. I was you could, I was the only one who would take him because <laughs> he was just so headstrong and driven and 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 like and tough. And then as like and then he was one of our best leaders. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I'm like, you got here through a loophole (laughs) 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 on a scholarship of grace. (laughs) But he was because he, like, loved pouring into people. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't a great person on, like, that level. Mm -hmm. He was great one-on-one. He was great, like, when people – feeding into people. He's one of the best servants when you come into his house, when he goes into someone else's house. He was just bad on, like, a volunteer team. But you look at it and you're like, that guy's crazy smart. And one of the – he's like MacGyver. He's like the Korean, half-Korean MacGyver. Like, the guy can do anything and learn it. He is YouTube. He's like, when Neo is, like, learning karate in the Matrix, he just downloads stuff. I'm like, I don't understand how you did this. He's like, yeah, I just watched a video on it. I'm like, you are the YouTube generation. Yeah. But I think it's, like, identifying genius. But this is taking yeah. us from how to, no, how to no, survive the No, no, this is so good because there's so much extraordinary capacity in people around you that you may not be able to see. And if all you see are the things that um, are their weaknesses, you'll actually miss out on all their strengths. If you if you only see the things that irritate you, you're, you're going to miss out on things that can actually elevate you. And back to your family, your family is the same. Um, there, there are so many great things about your family. You just can't see them because of how they see you. 
And and the same problem they have of seeing you, you have a problem of seeing them. Yeah. I will give you a, a spectrum of change that I think is really important if you're listening right now. Don't expect your 62-year-old father to change more than the 32-year-old you. <laughs> and uh, like, if you're the younger in this dynamic, you have a better chance of adjusting. And uh, although I will say pliability is really not about age, that if your parents were rigid when they were in their 30s or 40s, they're probably super rigid now in their 50s yes. and 60s yes. because they were always rigid. If, they're super, if they were super adaptive in their 20s and 30s, they're probably incredibly adaptive in their 50s and 60s. But as the, as the child, you have to figure out how to adapt in their world when you go see them. Yeah. You don't get to change the rules for their universe because yeah. every like family has like the rules of their own universe. Mm. And a part of the problem is that when you're an adult now, you've created your own little universe and now it's colliding with their universe and you want them to follow the rules of your world. They want you to follow the rules of their world. And what I would say is, look, this is the way it should be. When you, when you go into the other person's house, you adapt to the rules of their world. And so if we go to Mariah's house, we just we adapt to the rules of her house. If you come to my house, you adapt to the rules of my house. If we go to, you know, someone else's house, we adapt to the rules of their house. And, you know, so was it last night, a year ago, Thanksgiving, we went to Arkansas to the Goss's house for Thanksgiving, Kim and I, with Mariah and Jake. And we adapted to the rules of their Thanksgiving. We didn't try to bring our Thanksgiving transition, transition, traditions into their environment. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to understand their traditions. And one of the challenges sometimes is when a family has a way of doing life, they don't explain it to you because they think it's normal. For sure. And, and you're trying to figure out the rules that they're not telling you because they think everybody knows these rules, right? right. And and so maybe you're you don't show up at the dinner table on time. And in your house, everybody shows up whenever they want, but in that house, everybody is early. Which can I tell you a Susan Goss story? Because <laughs> this is my—is it your in-laws? If it's, you're not the one married to them, I don't know. They've kind of adopted me, and yeah. I've adopted them, so I love them. But I remember when they came—they came over to our house first in, for Thanksgiving mm -hmm. the year before you guys right. went to Arkansas. They came to ours, yeah, and. I come down the stairs because mm -hmm. I think I spent the night at your guys' house. Um, and I come down the stairs like this, just big baggy <laughs> T-shirt, I think unshowered. I did shower today, though, just so you know. I feel clean. We're really proud of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I shower every day, twice a day, just letting you know, um, except for the days that I don't. <laughs> kind of like this podcast. The fact that you felt the need to explain that to everyone on air. <laughs> <laughs> but Susan Goss walks in dressed to the nines at 9 a.m. I'm going to tell you, I made it halfway down that staircase. I turned myself right back up. I put my I put my grip pants on. At least you didn't say I put my pants on. I put, well, I was wearing sweats, so I put, like, actual pants on. And I, like, I just, it is interesting, though, because I knew that when they were coming in, I was like, okay, no, there's, like, a, there is a way. And my mom's very south. Mom's very southern. She would prefer it if I came down, like, ready to go. Yeah. So I was like, no, no, this year. They're the senior. Mm -hmm. They're the they're 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 like the older than I am, so I'm gonna I'm gonna respect their rules. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it wasn't necessarily Susan Goss is the kindest person ever. She would have never said anything. So I think Jake rolled up with like short shorts and like a big baggy <laughs> hoodie, and like we we fried turkeys all day. 
but but I also it's 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 I think it's be aware of the cultures that you're walking into, because I knew for her it meant a lot to introduce her grand her mom mom Mary or is that yeah. Jake's mom? Mom Mary, yeah. No, I mean not that Jake's mom. Is that is that Jake's Ste- grandma? Steve, yeah, Jake's mom. But is it Susan's mom or Steve's mom? Susan. So anyways, Mama Mary is a hero and a saint. And so I knew that she was coming over and it was important for everyone to look nice for Mama Mary. So I was like, okay, I got to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. I do think that sometimes we don't adapt to other people's cultures when they're coming into our world. Yeah. And what you're saying is that we just expect everyone to conform to our culture. Mm-hmm. When like, what I do love about mom is you do not mess with her kitchen. That is her world. But you can bring your own dish into it. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have friends bringing in their own things and like kind of yeah. contributing to the whole thing. They might not get like senior placement in the like the food line at the end of the night. <laughs> they might get hidden somewhere. But, but mom and our family, I do think, brings in other cultures. With that said, this is the point, is that I do feel like when you're in someone else's house, even if it's your family, act like you're a stranger. Mm. Or a guest. Or a guest. Come in with the same respect as if like, okay, they don't know me now, but they're going to pretend to know me. There's all these projections. There's all of these feelings. There's all these like preconceived ideas on who I am, everything dumb they know. But let's go in like I'm a guest. Let's go in and bring gift. Let's bring flowers. Let's, let's, your dad, you feel like your dad's the cheapest person in the world. Get him something nice mm-hmm. that he likes. Don't just, don't just bring in your own self and expect everyone to love you for it. You know what I mean? You yeah. have to win them over in the holidays. And I do really think you want a better holiday, win over those people. Yeah, it's funny. Even nuances. I remember um, my mom and I would fight all the time about food because I, I didn't like really anything that she cooked. And, and I would always say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. And she gets so angry. And then one day she had this guy come over. I was already um, out of high school, just working a job. And I think his name was Bruce Eisenhower. He comes to eat dinner with us. He has, she has, I don't know, this casserole. And he looked at her and he said, I'm sorry, I haven't developed a taste for that. She goes, oh, no, that's fine. Only eat what you like. And afterwards, I'm like, well, what's the deal? Like He can say no, but I can't say yeah, no. Yeah. And she said, it's not that he said no, it's how he said no. Oh, that was very good. And I'll never forget, he said, I've not developed a taste for that. And instead of saying, I don't like that. So you're not allowed to use that line on your family. Oh, my gosh. Just on the food. I have used <laughs> that line ever since because um, what that does is it doesn't blame the cook. It blames your development. And so I realized that I needed to work on all my language when he said, I've not developed a taste for that. I thought, what a genius, man. He... I don't know who raised him, but he knew the language that were, uh, you know, of eloquence. And, and uh, you can compliment the person by saying, I don't like your cooking. And I think a lot of times with our families, we become utilitarian. Instead of saying uh, even no thank you, you know, just go, yeah, I don't want that. Or instead of saying, you know, um, hey, that was, you know, that was great. I've just not really, you know, um, I've had enough. Uh, we always just find a shortcut to say no. And or to say what we want to say. And I would say is, be, I, I like what you said, be a guest and, and don't use utilitarian language. Make sure that you're graceful, respectful, and kind. And you're going to have a much better situation with your family. Yeah. Jake Goss brought something really special into our family, kindness. Yes. Because we're all, we're all pretty, we're all, I think everyone's a little bit kind, but not, but he's like all kind. Like, you know, like, remember the Care Bears where they all had, like, different attributes? Like, he's kindness. So he's the kindness bear. (laughs) But we can, but me and Mariah, mom, can get really just, like, tough with each other. You're very kind. Jake's very kind. 
And when he came into our family, he brought so much kindness that it made us like, okay, we're terrible human beings and we need to really fix some things in our own life. But I do think that he he always has a posture where he's he's he any kind of criticism, any kind of conflict, he just rolls it off and turns it into kindness. He'll just ignore it and literally respond to something kind. And I'm like, how do you do that? It's like a superpower. Mm-hmm. But I really do think it's how you can roll criticism and conflict off of your back and just go, I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to swing back. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go and clean the dishes or I'm just going to go and help or I'm just going to go and watch TV with someone else or I'm just going to do these. You have to like go in pre-programmed with your different escape routes. Yeah, You know what I mean? And And how to like get out of certain situations and just love them more and know that that this is what you're going to get yourself into. It's the holiday season. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. Criticism hurts most when it's either connected to who you are or who you were. So if you find yourself being criticized by a family member and it really makes you angry, it's probably because it's either who you are or who you were. And if it's who you are, you will respond as you have always responded. If it's who you were, realize that this is not an indictment on you. It is actually a reflection of them. They haven't spent enough time with the new you. They haven't taken the time to get to know who you are. Yeah. So don't be offended that they've identified you as who you were, but you are not anymore. Uh, See it as an opportunity to help them see you as you are. And one of the ways you can respond is, "I I know why you feel that way because that's who I was. But I'm not that person anymore, and yeah. um, and I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to remind them you're not that person anymore. Yeah, because they'll never believe you. Yeah, because because I don't the, want to say never. I'm hopeful. No, I'm saying I don't think they'll ever. Be, I I never like you always tell me like when someone says leads it with honestly, you're like you're not honest. <laughs> so I think it's it's less about saying I'm a new person, just going like these are some things I'm trying to change in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I've really been working on that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. let me show you how. Um, but with that said, I do really, truly believe you can survive the holidays. You, <laughs> the home can be a happy place for everyone packing up and, and going back to their their family's houses or having family here, or maybe it's the first year your um, your kid is meeting the parents, or I don't know, it's the first the first Christmas. We, we think you can do this. We know you can, yeah. and we're glad that you travel with us. And now they're oh, facing a problem. To, no, yes. no, no. It's that... So, I'm trying to wrap this up. I know, but there's one other thing in this. All right, cut that out. You got no. You got the COVID situation where some kids, some people want to go home, and yeah. their parents don't want to, and some uh, parents want to come, and the kids don't want them to. And right. uh, one of the things I found is a spectrum of fear. There are people who seem to have very little fear about COVID and very little concern, and some people who are incredibly fearful of COVID and are almost paralyzed by the concern. And it can be really easy to be judgmental toward the other. The people who are super concerned feel like the ones who aren't concerned are be irresponsible and uncaring and unempathetic and don't believe in science or whatever it is. And those who are not as concerned feel like the ones who are super concerned and cautious as being fearful and and um, and hysterical and and manipulating the science. And um, and what I would say is, right now during the holidays, it's not your job to change your family's. Opinion. Uh, yeah, don't be COVID. an evangelist for the science. Right on either now. side. On either side. And don't 
be offended if your parents don't want to come see their brand new grandbaby because they're afraid. Or don't be offended if um, you want them to come, but they don't want to come because they're concerned for their own life or their own safety. Just recognize that this is a unique moment in history, and people are genuinely divided on the level of concern, fear, and cautiousness. So just respect each other. Yeah. And uh, and say, you, know, you can even say, I don't agree, but I'm going to respect your position. Yeah. Or just do what Gavin Newsom does and tell everyone to stay inside and then fly to Hawaii. That would be the other option. And uh, and I think Peace. that <laughs> you're always going to go there. I'm so the I, governor of California. Let's live in my, Wyoming or Montana for the last. I just three think months. the new cry for freedom is going to be French Laundry. <laughs> oh shoot! That's Duh. what this episode should be called. Please, but on that note, French Laundry. We'll pick up maybe another time. Well, no, 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 no. You've now got me. You're pointing at the time, but when I tried to wrap up, you went into your own thing. But now it's because you're changing subjects now. <sighs> I'm coming for you. We love family. Love your family. We do. We love. Give them grace. Yes. And uh, uh, this will soon pass. Yes. And you'll all get to be back together and celebrate life together. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. (laughs) All right. You're listening to the Bad Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus. I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. And we are talking about Christmas and how to survive the holidays. I just want to do a shout out for every single person that listens to this podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We're so glad that you join us each week, twice a week, uh, and do this podcast together. If you are a supporter of the podcast, we have like 35 supporters, which is actually really incredible. That's amazing. It's really amazing. And wow. and what I love is I've, I've been getting some emails from like college kids being like, hey, I can only support 99 cents. And I actually, and they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, no, like it, it's just, it's really cool that people are doing that a dollar a month supporting the podcast. Um, it, it's really exciting. And then we have some people who are like, how do I, why did you limit it to 999? I, I don't know. We we can't. We don't get a choice. You can give above and beyond to Mosaic or something or someone else. <laughs> um, be generous in this holiday season. And we are so grateful that you listen to us and we get to be a part of your lives. And we, again, are just so grateful. We're thankful. So have a new year. Have a happy new year and Merry Christmas. And we'll see you in 2021. All right. Or on Friday because we're probably doing two episodes <laughs> this week. Bye. <laughs>